A federal appeals court rules in favor of chaplains offering encouraging words and a prayer before a court session begins. We want you to meet the judge who invited the chaplains to speak. I'm Stuart Shepard, and this is First Liberty Live. Thank you for liking and sharing our videos. Judge Wayne Mack is a justice of the peace in Montgomery County, Texas, just north of Houston. First Liberty has had the honor of representing him for quite a few years now. We're honored to have him here today. Hello, Judge Mack. Hey, Stuart. How are you? Thank you I'm, for having me today. I'm good. I'm glad that you're here. It's an honor to have you on, on our uh, program here. Uh, let's talk about how all this started eight years ago. It all started with a chaplaincy program that you initiated. Uh, why did you want volunteer chaplains to be connected with a justice of the peace? What's the connection? So in Texas, um, in addition to my judicial responsibilities, most, most counties, the justice of the peace is also the coroner. And so after just being in office a few weeks, um, I realized that we needed this. I, when I thought about running for this office, I thought about having a program as a police officer. I knew we had departments that had chaplains, but we didn't have a chaplaincy program. And so after just being in office in a few weeks and being on a horrific crash that involved a young lady and we couldn't get a hold of anybody, it was on a Sunday night, nobody was answering their phones, I, I made it a priority to start this chaplaincy program. And so we started it eight years ago as, as a, as a as to be a benefit to, to families that get the worst news of their life. Yeah, and that's, and that's my understanding, is part of your job is you could get a call any hour of the night and you have to get in your car and go out and deliver news that nobody wants to hear. And you felt like those families could use some support if they wanted it, right? Exactly. And what I was finding is I would get on scenes and people had their faith, but like a lot of Americans, they weren't practicing their faith. And so they didn't know who to call. And so we literally have every mosque, every temple, every synagogue, every church you could imagine represented in our chaplaincy program and, and to be there for families when they get that terrible news. And, and to honor them, we took a moment yeah, go ahead, Stuart. I was going to say, and to be perfectly clear about all this, it is purely voluntary. They don't get any pay yes. for this. They just do this because it's good for the community. Yes, sir. They do it out of the goodness of their heart and serving the community. Yes, sir. So then you, you looked at this gathering of chaplains that you'd brought together, and, and you thought you'd honor them by giving them the opportunity to say something at the beginning of sessions of court, right before you begin, actually. What did that look like, and, and why did you do it, and what did it look like? So I was thinking of a way to tell them thank you, because like we, we've already discussed, it's all hours of the night, weekends, holidays. And so they they take the time to do this. So I wanted to think of a way to honor them. And, and I, I know that the Texas Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court all have an opening ceremony that includes a, a, a prayer. And so I thought it would be an opportunity to honor the chaplains. And if they choose to say something or to say a prayer, we would allow them to do that before we begin our, our court sessions. And to be clear, you leave it totally up to them how long they speak and what they say, right? You don't have any input into that. The only thing I ask is that they keep it brief. That's, that's <laughs> the only thing I ask them to do. Anytime you hand a microphone to a minister, you got to ask them to keep it brief. I mean, that's just part of how <laughs> it works. 
Hey, I've got a copy of your courtroom rules here, and, and among other things, it tells me to keep my cell phone turned off, that I've got to have my pants pulled all the way up, and you know, that sort of thing. But also at the bottom, there's a box, and in all caps, it says, it is the tradition of this court to have a brief opening ceremony that includes a brief invocation by one of our volunteer chaplains and pledges to the United States flag and Texas state flag. You are not required to be present or participate. That seems pretty reasonable to me. What can people do instead, and, and how does that work? If, if they don't want to participate, what happens? So in addition to that paperwork that they all get before they appear, we have signage outside the courtroom. We have signage inside the courtroom. And then before the court begins, my bailiff comes out and reads what you just read and tells them if they would like to not be in there when we, when we take this moment for this opening ceremony that they they don't have to be present and and he and he say if you he tells them if you'd like to answer your cell phone or step out in the lobby uh we will after we have the ceremony we'll begin court and so i i don't know who participates who's in our courts are the highest volume courts in texas justice courts so we have people coming and going all the time and i i i would it wouldn't matter to me if somebody's there during it or not during it or if nobody's in there we just take a moment to tell these chaplains thank you. And so if people choose to be offended, it's because they choose to be in the courtroom. And one thing in America we've, we've got to learn is individual responsibility. So we, we can't have this benign society. And, and, and when the, our Constitution is clear that Congress shall make no law that prohibits the exercise of any of this, uh, we feel like uh, we are we are doing what is a tradition, a long-held tradition, but also First Liberty's been there defending us the, the whole way for, for almost eight years now. And, and what you just said was the key to this whole case, and that is it came down to history and tradition. Now, the other side said, well, you haven't done this for very long, so it's not history and tradition. What's your response to that? My response to that is, is in America, that Constitution says that as Americans, whatever time and, and in our history, we have a lot of the ability to do this. And, and as our, our legal team has proven up and the Fifth Circuit has agreed, this is a longstanding tradition. So uh, though I've only been in office uh, eight years, I felt like as the as the, the, the judge of this court, that that was my responsibility to have this opening ceremony to honor these chaplains. And, and, and we believe that we're on the right side of the Constitution. And thank goodness the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals also agrees with us. I read through their decision, it's, and I'm not a, an attorney, but it's pretty easy reading, even for someone who's not an attorney, to, to see how they laid out the claims from both sides and then how they, they weighed those arguments against the Constitution and the law. And essentially, they said in the decision, it's clear that you did everything, everything properly which I think means that the way you did it can be used as an instruction manual for others around the country. I would hope so. I would hope other, other leaders, other elected officials, school boards, commissioner courts, other courts would, would have courage in this and recognizing that we can honor these long traditions of giving honor uh, to, to chaplains or, or giving honor to God. Uh, our, our nation's motto is in God we trust. And, and I, I, as I said earlier, it says Congress shall make no, shall make no law. And so we feel like, again, uh, I hope other Christians and other faiths, I mean, as, as one of the great things about the, the atheists when they started this and this made the media 
it made the minority religions actually seek us out and want to be a part of our chaplaincy program. So it was pretty awesome. Huh. Uh, what they intended to intimidate me and stop me from doing actually inspired our entire faith community to come forward and support this practice and support this chaplaincy program. One of the, the joys of getting to work at First Liberty is getting to meet the clients that we work with because consistently I found they're good Americans who are enjoying their freedoms under the Constitution and then trouble comes knocking on their door. What was it like being a First Liberty client? Give us a, a little insight into what that's like. Well, it was, it was refreshing because the first year that this, this group was coming after me, I was on my own. And it wasn't until First Liberty got involved that I felt very confident that we were on the right side of the Constitution and that, that, that this was not my battle. Uh, and, and, and in fact, when I first got the notice of this, Stuart, I was, a, I, was at a, I was the grand marshal of a homecoming parade at a local high school. And my political consultant sent me a text message and said, hey, this group has filed a complaint against you. They're going to sue you. This is this, this is what it says. The media is probably going to contact you. This is what you need to say. And you need to read this complaint. And I was reading this complaint. I just became so overwhelmed with, oh, my God, there's nothing true in this complaint. The only thing they've got right is the proper spelling of my name. <laughs> and it, wow. was, it was it was so overwhelming. And. I immediately looked up at the football stadium. I looked up in the heavens. It was a beautiful night, and I saw the stars, the means, some clouds, and immediately I felt the Lord speak to my heart that this is not your battle. And I had that peace that passes all understanding flood my soul, and I've never fretted one moment. And, of course, once First Liberty come involved, I, I felt so uh, uh, secure and safe in what we were doing that we were on the right side of the Constitution, and we had a a wonderful organization and a huge legal team that was going to stand with us. And it, it, you know, it's, it's can be lonely. Sometimes you, you're, you're, you're in the battle and you look to the left and the right and you kind of go, where did everybody go? But I could always look to first Liberty. They never wavered. They, they stood with me. And one of our first meetings, they asked me, how far are you prepared to go with this judge? And I said, I'm prepared to far to go as far as we need to go. And they said, that's the answer we wanted to hear. And they've stood with me for seven years. And I'm, I'm so thankful. And, and I, I, I hope with what's going on in our nation and the great victories that we've had with Coach Kennedy and all these other cases, that men and women of the faith community will feel empowered to be salt and light. You know, a lot of times when you have this, sep this falsehood of separation of church and state and these, these groups that come at you, it can be very intimidating to get a letter, hey, we're going to sue you or we're going to remove you from your job if you don't stop doing this. But thank God for First Liberty. Thank God they were there. We are so proud to stand beside you, and we're proud of you for standing up because it's most people, unfortunately, in our country today, if that letter arrives or the criticism arrives, they just give up. And they just say it'd be easier to give up and let somebody else fight this fight. So we are so grateful that you chose to fight the fight. Well, I'm, I'm thankful uh, to God. Uh, I'm truly, eternally thankful to First Liberty and the team and, and Kelly's with the, the method that they have for winning these cases and standing with people of all faiths when we come under these, these dire things that the, you know, they're trying to eradicate faith from every part of public sector. And, and I'm thankful for uh, First Liberty, standing with the men and women that are having the courage. Uh, you know, the Bible says when you've done all you can to stand, stand there for. In my case, it was so awesome to stand and then to be standing right next to me was First Liberty Institute. 
Well, again, we're grateful for your time here. Your Honor, it is an honor to have you as a client and as a guest. Thank you for making time for us. Thank you very much. Appreciate everything y'all do. And if you want to read that decision for yourself, it, you don't have to be an attorney. I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, there's some legal mumbo jumbo and some Latin in there, but generally it's pretty easy to follow. I showed it to my 17-year-old son. He read through the whole thing and loved it. Uh, and we've been talking about it since. We're going to put a link to that in the text that's underneath this video. So if you want to, you can read through it for yourself and see exactly how correct Judge Mack was and what he was doing there in his courtroom. Justin Butterfield is one of our First Liberty attorneys. He is Deputy General Counsel here. And he was working with Judge Mack at the very beginning of this case all the way through now. So he's very familiar with this and all that's happened. Hi, Justin. Hi, sir. How are you? It's great. It's great to have you here. First, what was your reaction to the victory at the appeals court? That is a big deal. It was. You know, that's that's a huge victory. I'm really thankful that for Judge Max being willing to stand up for his rights, to be willing to, to do what's right. And we're really thankful that we were able to come alongside him, help him in this. And we're thankful that we were able to partner with Gibson Dunn and Brad Hubbard was able to come along and work with us in, in securing this victory. That really is a, a major victory for all Americans' religious liberty rights. It is in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, where right now it's the precedent for the whole country. I mean, that's the one other judges are gonna look to, right? Well, it, it's, it's precedent for this area, but it certainly is persuasive all around the country. And yes, this is, this is one of the first opinions on an issue like this. And it's, it's a big victory. It's a big win for religious liberty and for judges who really want to just do what our history and tradition throughout the, this country um, has supported. The judge and I talked quite a bit about what he did in his courtroom. Help us understand why what he did is correct, both in the eyes of the law and under the Constitution. Sure. So what's important under the Establishment Clause is what is the history and tradition in this country? That is, what are the sorts of things that the founders did? What are the sorts of things that we've seen throughout the span of American history? And one of the things that, that we were able to show in our briefing in this case is that there is a long history and tradition of judges opening with prayer. I mean, we see it t today with the Supreme Court. You know, it opens with God save the United States in this honorable court. Um, but even if you go back to the beginning, four of the six first Supreme Court justices, when they would do their circuit riding, that is, they would literally ride around the country with circuit judges. Which, which is, is which, why they're called circuit. Exactly. When they would do that, they would open their sessions with a prayer. They would have a chaplain come and open it. Um, and it's just been a continuous tradition, and that makes it legal. It's, it's what the founders did, and it's what you can continue to do today. From a, as I read through the decision, I noticed the appeals court cited both our Bladensburg victory, the Peace Cross in Maryland, as well as the Coach Kennedy case, which we won earlier this year at the Supreme Court. I got that decision in June. Help us understand the connection between a, a World War I Veterans Memorial in Maryland and a praying coach in Washington State and why that has any connection with a chaplain prayer in Texas. How does all that work together? Well, in the 1970s, there was a bad opinion that led to what we call the Lemon Test, named after the, the name of the case that it comes from. And the Lemon Test really imposed new restrictions on the ability of Americans to practice their faith in public. Um, and under the Lemon Test, things like veterans memorials that have religious imagery, things like uh, a judge opening his courtroom with prayer, things like a coach praying to himself on the 50-yard line after a football game, those things um, under the Lemon Test become suspect. The Lemon Test is very, very critical of any expression of faith 
in our country, in our culture. And thankfully, because of First Liberty's cases with the Blainsburg Memorial Cross case with Coach Kennedy, we have now gotten the Supreme Court to say Lemon is dead. It's gone. It's been overturned. If you pull it up on, on one of the legal research programs, you'll find a big red flag next to it now, uh, literally. And because Lemon is overturned, all of these, all of these opinions that we've had for, for 40 years, um, 50 years, now, now are gone. And it, it restores us to what things should have been, that the Constitution means what the founders meant it to mean, that, that we don't have judges in the 1970s completely changing our entire constitutional structure. And now there's religious freedom. Now people can practice their faith in public. Now, now you are allowed to have these, these public exhibitions of faith um, that, that were so common throughout the entire history of this country. I, and part of what was interesting to me reading through it, again, not an attorney, but the court ruled that in their decision they wrote that even under Lemon, what he was doing would have been okay. Mm -hmm. But then they went on and cited Bladensburg and Kennedy and built that history and tradition test that you're talking about. Am I understanding right what they did? Well, they didn't actually even need to say under Lemon this would have been okay. I think it would have been. Yeah. But, but because Lemon is dead, we don't even need to look at that anymore. Right. All we need to look at now and all the, all the Fifth Circuit did look at is what, what is the history in our country of allowing judges to open their, their courts with prayer? And there's a lot of history that a lot of judges throughout our nation's history have done just that. Uh, First Liberty has an initiative right now, it's over my shoulder here, it's called Restoring Faith in America. This is an example of one aspect of what we're, we're talking about when we talk about restoring faith in America. And you alluded to that a moment ago in your comments. Help us understand what we're asking people to do as far as in their communities all around the country. Sure. So with Lemon being overturned, thanks to the Bladensburg Memorial case, thanks to Coach Kennedy's case, with, with Lemon being overturned, there's an opportunity now for communities all across this country who've suffered the negative effect of the Lemon Test, who've had to tear down you know, religious imagery, memorial, veterans memorials, um, anything we see Ten Commandments monuments being pulled down, all of those cases that come out of the effects of the Lemon Test, all of those can be reversed now. And so we really want communities around this nation to say, you know, it was wrong when they made us tear down this Ten Commandments monument. It was wrong when they made us tear down this Veterans Memorial. It was wrong when they made us cover this cross. And to bring those back, to restore the heritage, the religious heritage that has made this country so rich for so many years. And people can learn more at a special website we've set up. It's rfia.org. That's Restoring Faith in America, an abbreviation form, rfia, restoringfaithinamerica.org. There's a lot more information there about how you can take part in this. Essentially, anywhere that a prayer was removed, a monument was taken down, something was said, a nativity scene was kicked out, a menorah knocked out, a yarmulke said you can't wear that. All of those, we're encouraging people, bring them back mm -hmm. and dare someone to challenge you, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else you'd like to share before I let you go? You know, I, I really want to thank Judge Mack. Um, when, when you stand up for your religious liberty rights, I'm not going to lie, it's hard. It's, it's taking a stand for what's right, but you're standing up against bullies often. And it's hard to stand up for what's right against bullies. And Judge Mack did that. He's done that with grace. Um, he, he's, he's done exactly what he's needed to do. And because he was willing to do that, because he took a stand, he is, he's 
protected religious liberty rights for innumerable other Americans. And shown how it's done. We exactly. also have some legal partners that we worked with on this that we want to give our, express our gratitude. Yes, to uh, Brad Hubbard and the team at Gibson Dunn did amazing work with us on this and, and um, I could not have done it without them. Very good. Justin, good to see you. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks, Dirk. All right. And if this story resonates with you, I encourage you to look at the top of the page on FirstLibertyLive.com. There is a, a subscribe button. It's teal. And just click on that, and we will let you know when new episodes come out. It's a very easy way to keep track of these conversations. If you like what you're hearing, there's a lot more of it that we want to share with you. So click on the subscribe button, and we'll let you know when new episodes show up. First Liberty is your last line of defense and your greatest hope for victory.